Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctrine, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts, and we would like to invite you to an exclusive screening of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, with the Inglorious Trexperts, that's us, live, hosted by Paramount Pictures. Join us on See Live on Saturday, April 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time using your Google browser. Come to See Live. that's C-Y-A, See Live. Dot live and join us for what is sure to be a fun-filled few hours of commentary, laughs, and discussion of the greatest Star Trek film of all time. Because at the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. And we're changing the conditions of the test. That's right. That's right. We're taking the Kobayashi Maru test together and we're finding out what it's like to be buried alive in the center of a dead planet. This has the virtue of never having been tried. We'll be there. Will you join us at Sea Alive April 25th at 5 p.m. PST for an exclusive and exciting screening of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Hey, if you want to watch a great podcast that none of us are on, check out Best Movies Never Made, available every other Monday from screenwriter Josh Miller and producer Steven Scarlatta as they go behind the scenes of some of the greatest movies never made with fantastic guests like... Steve Melching. Ashley Miller. And a lot of other people you have heard of. And not Darren Doctorman. Yet. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you'll be on the show. They just invited me to be on an episode about James Bond. I wonder why. Maybe it's because I have a new book out called Nobody Does It Better, The Oral History of James Bond, available now wherever you get your books. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is Adventure Has a New Name Week. And I'm here, as always, virtually, with Stephen Melching. Well, hello there. Mr. Darren R. Doctorman. Tuesdays are better than ever. <laughs> and Ash Wednesday, Ashley Miller. You know my name. And this is a special bonus episode of the 430 Movie um, well, first of all, this episode, I got to start with some sad news. This episode is dedicated in memory of uh, Chris Winner. Uh, Chris uh, was someone who was recently introduced to us, um, uh, our normal uh, sound mixer extraordinaire, uh, Bill Ritter. Um, you know, he just has so much on his plate that we needed to bring in more people. And Dean knew uh, Chris Winner, who um, he'd known since there were kids in school and Chris has been mixing the last couple of episodes of uh, 430 movie, taking some of the workload off of bill who's doing glorious Trexperts and some of the other podcasts. Great job. Loved the show. Was so happy to be working on, on it. And uh, unfortunately it's very, very sadly uh, last week he passed away of a heart attack. It had nothing to do with coronavirus, uh, but it was uh, really tragic and uh, it was very sad news for all of us here at the 430 movie. So in honor of Chris and all the um, hard work that he brought to uh, 430 Movie and his friendship and his passion for the show, we thought we'd do a special episode, even though technically we're on hiatus, uh, devoted to, um, to uh, dedicated to Chris. And so we picked a subject that was near and dear to his heart. He loved adventure movies. And so we'd been kicking this one around for a while, uh, Adventure as a New Name Week. 
And, uh, and here we are to bring you Adventure Has a New Name. Now, before we do that, uh, I want to point, this is the first episode we've recorded in the wake of the uh, pandemic. Um, we had, there were early indications that something was going on when we recorded our last couple episodes, hence the jocularity involved in talking about uh, uh, the potential uh, COVID uh, outbreak. But of course, there's nothing to laugh about now. It's a very serious situation, as we all know, um, and a very tragic one at that. So we encourage all our listeners, if you aren't already self-isolating and staying at home, uh, to listen to the advice of the scientists like Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and uh, continue to do uh, what they say, because that's the only one to keep people safe. And uh, keep listening to the 430 movie which will not keep you safe, but it will keep you entertained, hopefully. So, uh, Are you not entertained? <laughs> well, we shall find out. So, Steve, I have a question for you. Adventure has a new name week. It's tough because when I started thinking about this, a lot of the movies sort of overlapped with other genres that we've done or will be doing. How do you, in your mind, what, what does this mean? What is a, an adventure movie? Well, it, adventure movies, I think, are, are is one of the oldest sort of genres in filmmaking. It's a real, it's sort of like a base genre that you can, that mixes well with, with any other genre and, and has changed, you know, uh, a lot over the, over the decades. Um, you can have, you know, adventure romances, you can have science fiction adventure, you can have fantasy adventure, you can have, you know, horror type adventures. And, um, that's what the challenge of doing a week like this is. I mean, it's such a broad category. What? Do you, how do you choose what is an adventure movie and, and to qualify for this? And I, I think that's a personal decision that yeah. we all make. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what we come up with because some of the films we've talked about before are adventure films, but they're also, you know, in, suitable for other categories. Yeah, I kind of feel there's a, classicism to it and you know some people would say that a superhero movie is an adventure film i don't really see it to me it goes back to it's sort of a, a genre that goes back to the serials and the cliffhangers where um it dealt with a, a man or a woman who was on in incredible adventures um, uh, often uh got into scrapes of course the name of this week comes from the uh tagline for uh raiders of the lost ark which is adventure as a new name indiana jones so um but and that was a throwback to some of the classic right. movies of yore uh, what do you think ashley what's an adventure movie to you um i think I, I tend to agree with your uh with your razor that you applied to the, to the question um he i think lots of uh lots of genres have a dash adventure element to them, but I think what makes a pure adventure movie a pure adventure movie is it it needs to be a character who is perhaps somewhat like us, at least on some level. Certainly it can be somebody who is far more competent than we are, which is not hard, I mean. <laughs> uh, and I think they need to go to a place um, that they've never been. I think they need to encounter dangers that they have never encountered right exactly they've never encountered and that are in some way new to us um and i think what needs to be at the heart of those stories is some kind of um some kind of a, a secret uh or or exploration that there needs to be something other than just 
um, you go to a place and you start shooting people um, and you're a superhero or you're a spy or whatever, that there's, that there's something bigger that adds to the scope of it. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Darren? I, I would agree with that, Mark. And uh, I'd just like to add that I think that um, adventure movies are, um, at their purest, they are their own genre. Um, they are, they don't belong to anything else. I mean, there are some movies that you can uh, think of that don't really fit into any other description other than adventure movie. Yeah, and, and that's hopefully what we'll focus on today. I hope so too. Uh, and I think Ashley was right in, in saying that the main characters are pretty close to who we could be, right? That they are uh, a, a sort of a very direct representation of the audience and the audience can easily put themselves in that position and see sort of an idea and think about how they would react in the same situations. And then, you know, hopefully be delighted or surprised by how the characters uh, react to those situations. Before we we start our week with uh, Steve Belching on Monday, I have to ask, because this is a very unique situation, we've never recorded a show where the last episode had that was just on, so li- I mean, literally Friday uh, that we, uh, you know, was uh, the um, uh, uh, spoiler week, and here we are two days later recording a new episode that's never really happened before. We're our own spoiler. So I- I'm wondering, having listened to that episode now, I presume you've all listened to it, uh, which we recorded, uh, you know, two months ago. Uh, uh, is, is there anything you would have changed or added uh, to uh, to Spoiler Week? I stand by my decisions. Yeah, okay. As goofy as they may be. It was a fun week. It was a fun week. Fun week. And, of course, uh, you know, the Coen Brothers Week inspired me because we're all self-isolating, I'm sure, watching a lot of movies and TV. I went back and watched Lebowski during my quarantine film festival. Inspired by... My, uh, your your pick, you know. I mean, again, you, you picked that for uh, for Monday, I believe, Steve. And yeah. uh, and uh, and I was so uh, after talking about it, so amped up about how much I love that movie that I watched it again because of the show. So and, and uh, I watched uh, Raising Arizona. The other <laughs> <night>. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I have to ask before we we embark on Adventure Week, what are some of the uh, 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 movies that you've been? Um, watching for the quarantine film festival. I, I assume you've all been watching movies. I actually haven't at all. Yeah. You've been working. Haven't <laughs> I've you? been working. Uh, thank yeah. goodness. Uh, and I consider myself very lucky to be working. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I, I've just been listening to music in the background. So uh, no movies for me. Yeah. What, what about, uh, what about you, Steve? I know you've been working as well, but I, I presume you found some time to watch a movie or two besides yeah, raising hands. Yeah, thankfully, you know, thankfully I, I'm, I've been able to work. Um, but yeah, I, I try to squeeze in a movie uh, every couple of days. Um, I just watched, I just watched a movie that I have not seen probably since around the time it came out and a Blu-ray of it came out recently. It's uh, Victory starring oh, Michael yeah. Caine. Oh, Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone and, and, Pele. Uh, and Max von Sydow and Pele. And I got to tell you, it was better than I remembered it being. It was a lot of fun. Well, remember, when we were kids watching on HBO, the fact that John Huston directed it meant nothing to us, I presume. <laughs> yes. Now, it's a real, John Huston directed that, which is pretty cool. 
the man who came, you know, who directed the freaking African Queen and uh, Maltese uh, Falcon. I mean, it's like uh, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, Victory is a, a terrific little film that we barely mentioned during Michael Caine week, but that just shows what a great week that was. What about- you know what? I, I'd recommend checking this movie out. The Blu-ray is really great. And it's like, you know, are they, the sets they built were great. The prison camp set and, you know, some great set pieces. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's fun. I love the way they described it. It's the great escape meets Rocky, you know? <laughs> okay. So Ashley, what about you? What have you been watching? Uh, you know, for myself, I've mainly been watching TV, although I have watched a, a number of films with my children. Um, you know, uh, we, my, my 10 year old and I, uh, a, a previous guest in the show, uh, watched Ready Player One together, which he liked. Uh, we are in the middle of watching the despecialized Empire Strikes Back, nice. uh, which he is loving. And I spent the goddamn weekend watching Trolls World Tour. Um, <laughs> you know what? Not bad. Although I gotta say, man, like it was really hard for me not to not to really kind of be on the side of the rock trolls. I mean, I think they've got a point. You know, the pop trolls kind of they kind of suck, man. That's- well, it's interesting. There's a lot in the industry, a lot of attention uh, that's around trolls right now because, of course, that movie was scheduled for theatrical release, and in the wake of coronavirus, Universal, in an unprecedented move, released it direct to pay pay per view. Uh, and, uh, you know, video on demand. And the theater owners uh, are very upset about it. It's going to be interesting to see if this is sort of the, the, the breaks the dam in a way. Uh, or, you know, and I think that may be an interesting thing for us to look at in a future uh, special report. You know, the, fu- the future of movies, you know. Right. We haven't done one of those in a while, but we did a home video one a year and a half ago, I think. That was quite a good episode. I think after all this, they may, may never be the same again. Yeah. So should yeah. we be cheering for Trolls World Tour to fail or? <laughs> well, that's the question. That's the real trick, isn't it? I don't that's know. We'll, we'll save that for another show. And, and, and then, yeah, I, you know, I wish I'd been working. Unfortunately, I did get hit by this uh, coronavirus thing and uh, haven't really been, other than recording, uh, you know, popping up to do this stuff, I've pretty much been in bed for the last couple of weeks. So I've had plenty of time to watch movies and uh, I've been watching a ton of Bud Bedecker Westerns. I'm not quite sure why, but had a, forgot because how. Because they're awesome. Because they're awesome. Well, that's right. And I watched The Tall T and Comanche Station and Ride Lonesome, which of course features Karen Steele from uh, Mud's Women. So there's a little like, you know, overlap with Star Trek there, which makes it even better. Um, and, uh, you know, Richard Boone and Seven Men From Now from uh, Have Gun Will Travel. Uh, uh, so I watched Big Lebowski and a uh, couple other a uh, couple other movies, and um, it's that's the uh, I think the only uh, thing that's been good about this whole nightmare. Such a chance to watch the movies and a, a lot of TV <laughs> and a lot of CNN. Unfortunately, not, not to keep track of right now. Yeah, too much. So uh, let's talk about. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Let's talk about Adventure has a new name, and that brings us, of course, to Monday, Steve Melching. Uh, What's the new name of Adventure that you're going to put into contention here? Well, my new name is actually a a very old name. Uh, Some might argue it's the original Adventure film, or at least uh, one of the all-time iconic Adventure films. Uh, It's a movie that came out 87 years ago, 
this month. It premiered uh, in April 1933. Oh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it's, of course, uh, David O. Selznick's King Kong. Well, the whole world will pay to see this. No chains will ever hold that. We'll give him more than chains. He's always been king of his world, but we'll teach him fear. We're millionaires, boys. I'll share it with all of you. Why, in a few months, it'll be up in lights on Broadway. Kong, the eighth wonder of the world! wasn't the airplanes. It was beauty killed the beast. Oh, oh great pick. Directed mm -hmm. by Marion C. Cooper and Ernst B. Schoedzak and uh, with a terrific score by Max Steiner and of course the, uh, the terrific stop-motion animation by Willis O'Brien. And this is a movie that you know it caught it was it was a fairly big budget for its time about $675,000 and it grossed about 2 million on its initial release. Uh, so it was a, a, a pretty decent size hit, no pun intended. And um, boy, watching that movie again recently, it's, it's just as fresh now as it was then. The storytelling in that movie is so lean and, uh, and uh, terrific. I mean, uh, and the, the, the cleverness of how they were able to, um, you know, do the visual effects uh, for the time, doing the split screen stuff and, um, you know, building the, the oversized Kong and um, um, just, you know, telling the story in a way that's, that just uh, leads the audience uh, into this, you know, Ashley talked about mystery, exploring mysteries. You're, you're literally taking uh, the characters into this mysterious world of Skull Island and, uh, just the sense of dread uh, that builds throughout the first act of that movie uh, until we finally see Kong uh, himself at about the halfway mark. And um, it's, it's just a movie that's been a part of our pop culture for that entire 87 years. I, I remember watching it every time it was on TV when I was growing up and being scared shitless by aspects of it. That whole Skull Island sequence to me was terrifying that whole journey into the jungle and, uh, and then encountering the dinosaurs and as being a young kid who, who grew up loving dinosaurs, I was actually kind of on their side because the dinosaurs show up and the, the guys immediately start shooting them and trying to kill them. And I thought that was, you know, that's not cool. They're just dinosaurs. They're just doing their <laughs> thing. Dinosaurs need to die, Steve. <laughs> yeah. But as the story progresses, that sequence when they're trying to cross the ravine on the log and Kong comes out and starts shaking them off the log as they plunge you know, into that ravine to their deaths, that stuck with me in my nightmares for years. It's just such a terrifying scene. And it just, it, it's, it's as brilliant today as it was then. Yeah, I, uh, 
it's such a great movie and um it, it's another movie that i i think that uh, uh, you know new audiences aren't embracing the way we i think all grew up with it uh, on tv all the time you know it was a go-to movie it was astounding and monumental and you know i think also it has that kind of tragic ending as well that a lot of the younger audience can't deal with. I, I mean, I, we never had problems dealing with that. I, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've heard, oh, is that appropriate for kids? Because it's so sad, uh, you know, the, you know, the ending. And it's like, yeah, that's, it's, uh, that's what happens when you take an animal out of its natural habitat. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's funny because I remember when uh, Bill Shatner's manager is this larger than life Southern Texan guy called Larry Thompson. I'll never forget he told me, he said, my idol, my idol was uh, my favorite movie of all time is King Kong. But it was never Bruce Cabot who wanted to, you know, the explorer, the hero of the movie, supposedly. He said, the hero to me was Carl Denham, the guy who got the idea to take Kong and charge to see him in New York and make money <laughs> off him. That was the guy. And he goes, and I got King Kong. <laughs> and it was it was. <laughs> it was so it's, cool. it's funny there's a lot of that character came out of the the filmmakers too because cooper and shodzak were were criticized for not having romance in their movies and you know uh, uh carl denham just says it in the beginning of the movie he's like i can, i need a girl for this movie and the critics tell me i need romance it's like the the filmmakers are speaking directly through their film <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly because the fey ray character is really kind of well i mean you need her because kong has to have yeah, the, uh, the beast, and she, yeah. she's the beauty. Um, you know, to me, the thing that's fascinating about that film is how um, how the character of King Kong um, and just the the idea of it has been so sticky, culturally speaking. Um, you know, there have been umpteen remakes, nineteen seventy six, uh, starring the dude, right? Um, you know, um, and Jessica Lange as Dwan, right? Two thousand five, Peter Jackson takes a crack at it. You've got Son of Kong. Um, you've got the original uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. You've got King Kong Lives. You've got like King Kong Returns. You've got like numerous Saturday morning cartoons. Um, you've got Kong Skull Island, which for my money is probably the, the most entertaining modern reinterpretation of that character. You have these sly references to him in Godzilla King of the Monsters. There's a new King Kong versus Godzilla coming out. There's just a ton of it. My kid, my 10-year-old, loves King Kong. He could not possibly be more excited to see King Kong fight Godzilla. And who can blame him? Because there is something about Kong, right? It's, we talked about how, um, you know- I'd like to see there's something about Kong. <laughs> and your hair, Kong. <laughs> oh God, what is that? <laughs> no, stop, stop the podcast. Uh, we, we, uh, you know, I was talking about having a character in the kind of in the middle of the story that goes to this this strange place where he encounters these unexpected things, and we can relate to who he is, and he's kind of like us, right? And the, the magical thing about King Kong is that, yeah, it's like, who is that character in King Kong? I would argue that it's Kong, right? It's like that's why we love him because he's the goddamn hero of that movie. The, the place that he goes to is New York. He sees this amazing world. He's in love. He meets a girl. You know, bad things happen. I mean, it's that's why I think we respond to him. That's why I think we're going to see interpretations of, of Kong forever. 
and the, the, the way they sort of humanize Kong in the film and in the animation, just like the little acting beats they give him, like after he kills the Tyrannosaurus and he just kind of plays with its mouth or, you know, the way he, he swoons when he's, you know, trying to cling to the Empire State Building. It's all very human and very identifiable. It's almost sometimes childlike in a way. I'm going to take that one step farther. I'm going to say that Kong is the only human-like person in the film, mm. okay? Because Carl Denham is straight out of, uh, 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 you know, Broadway. He's bigger than life. He's completely unbelievable. And Robert Armstrong is really, you know, he's chewing scenery when, when there's even no scenery. Um, <laughs> Bruce Cabot is about as uh, bland as a piece of cardboard um, Faye Ray is lovely to look at, but she ain't no great shakes either. Kong is magnificent. Mm. Okay? Kong acts more human than any of them, and he is the most successful thing in the movie. I'm going to say one more thing that you're all going to be shocked at. I never got into King Kong. Huh. Either, either from its technical uh, standpoint, as you know, the first great orchestration of all visual effects techniques, as, as Mark Hamill says in SPFX, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, um, <laughs> or as an entertainment, because when I saw it as a kid, I saw it on television, and it didn't make an impact on me. I was never into dinosaurs. I was never into you know, big monster movies much. I enjoyed them, and I found them entertaining but I, I was never obsessed with them like some of my friends were. Um, so that's very strange uh, that I never had that psychic connection, the close encounters uh, pulled from it, well, that so many of my friends do. It's interesting because what you just uh, talked about is something that I wanted to mention, that in the way that Star Wars was sort of this, um, uh, the inspiration to so many of our generation to go right. into uh, the business. I mean, we were all uh, dramatically impacted by Star Wars, and you could say that about, you know, virtually anyone who works in the genre uh, um, right now in film and television. Star mm -hmm. Wars was like their North Star. Um, for the generation before us, it yes. was King Kong. It, it was, was the, it was King Kong and two thousand and one. Right. Yes. And uh, so it's very interesting, you know, that King Kong, you know, was their Star Wars in a way. Right. You know, and it was that. You know, Willis O'Brien and then leading into, of course, Ray Harryhausen, right. that was such a huge impact on the, 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 you know, the sort of generation that preceded us. You know, look at Guillermo and, and look at, uh, you know, obviously Peter Jackson doing the remake. I mean, that is his favorite movie of all time. Right. And, you know, I think while we all love King Kong, except for Darren, I, I think that, uh, you know, none of us would say it's our favorite movie of all time. Right. But partially, I think it's the way we saw it. We all saw it on, I saw it on Channel 9. Right. You know, on Thanksgivings in New York. I never never saw it in a theater. Right. I don't. Th I still don't think I've seen it in a theater, um, you know, to this day. But it's, it's really a remarkable film. I got to say, you know, to some extent, that movie is in my blood, almost literally. My, uh, my great-grandfather worked on King Kong. He was, a, uh, he was a studio carpenter for RKO. And um, he helped build sets for King Kong and uh, family lore is he helped build the hand, the mechanical hand that uh, grips Fay Ray. So he had a hand in the whole thing. So he had a hand. <laughs> and uh, I'm done. 
And you talk about Ashley's talking about the influence of Kong. Like I've done my I've done Kong myself. I did an episode of the Clone Wars called The Zillow Bee Strikes Back. That was essentially a Kong story with the giant monster on the loose in the city and and the, uh, the getting gunned down at the end by uh, by soldiers who don't understand you know what's trying to do. And uh, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, let's. Um, that's a great way to start us off on Monday, King Kong. Uh, you can't go wrong with the 1933 King Kong um, and uh, a beloved movie. And that brings us to Tuesday and Darren Dodgerman. Tuesday. Adventure has a new name. Well, uh, again, like Steve, I'm going to go to uh, one of the movies that sort of inspired our, not necessarily modern, but our, our, age, our age's uh, adventure movies. Um, I'm not going to go as far back as Steve, uh, but I am going to go to 1948 for John Huston's The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. These are the men who tried to tap the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Men with an oath on their lips and muscles in their arms, but men with greed in their hearts. Ready to break their backs, to sell their very souls for gold, fighting shoulder to shoulder against the forces of nature only to find their greatest enemy is human nature. You want to take it all for yourself and cut me out? I know you for what you are. A long time I've had my suspicions about you, now I know I've been right. So that's your stinking game, is it informing? I knew you was an informer, I knew it all the time. Take a look down that mountain. This means all our funerals. What's that? If I'm right in what I'm thinking, may the Lord be with us. They're not soldiers, they're bandits. <laughs> Great choice, yeah. Um, it stars Humphrey Bogart as Indiana Jones, <laughs> um, basically, uh, and uh, he is a uh, prospector, and uh, he and a uh, a group of uh, a couple more guys are up in the hills looking for gold, and uh, they uh, not only uh, are nearly killed, um, some of them get even closer than that. Uh, and they start um, not only battling nature and the elements and luck, but each other. And it is a fascinating story. It's, it also stars Walter Houston, who is uh, John Houston's father, and uh, Angelica Houston's grandfather. Um, and it's really, uh, you know, some scenes in it are absolutely uh, uh, iconic. And uh, you will, you, when you watch this movie, you will see the antecedents of almost everything that we take for granted in, quote, adventure movies uh, today. And uh, yes, it's black and white. Get over it. Uh, just watch it. Um, it's uh, some amazing performances and an amazing story. And uh, you'll enjoy it. Trust me. I would hope people that listen to this podcast uh, aren't fearful of black and white. I mean, so many of the films we've extolled are black and white. And of course, uh, you know, black and white is uh, is, is a marvelous, marvelous, uh, uh, you know, uh, format. Uh, and and I just, in fact, watched with my daughter, Notorious and Psycho, and she loves. I mean, she's she's 
13 and she she's like was so excited that psycho was in black and white i said yeah because if you really want to be upset i'll show you the gus van sant remake <laughs> <laughs> and you can see how bad a movie can be in color um but uh and and so i'm glad to see that at least some people in the younger generation realize that black and white is is you know just because some of those have color i mean obviously i would say a large percent of the greatest movies of all time are in black and white i would agree um but yeah, Treasure Sierra Madre is great. I mean, we could easily have done or do a Bogart week, which this would fit very nicely in, but it fits even better into Adventure as a New Name week. And it's inspired so many uh, um, episodes of TV and other movies. And, you know, uh, it's, it, and of course, the, it, you didn't mention the most, one of the most famous lines of all time. You know, we, we don't need no stinking badges. Yeah. It's actually, we don't need to show yeah. you no stinking badges, it, it, but that's the all same right. as beam me up Scotty and uh, play it again, Sam, which were never in the movie, but it takes on a legend of its own. This kind of uh, bastardized version of the actual quote, but a great choice on uh, treasure Sierra Madre. Oh, yeah. A terrific movie that I, I think I've only seen it once, maybe twice. And it was a very long time ago, but I loved it. I thought it was terrific. And it's one that I've been meaning to revisit for a long time. Uh, as an adult, I, I think I was in college when I saw it. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously a, cl a stone cold classic movie that's been inc very influential as Darren mentioned uh, on the character of Indiana Jones, who of course is, you know, a global icon for adventure now. Well, the bogey persona is so iconic that I think a lot of people don't realize what incredible range he had. You know, they think of him as Philip Marlowe, I think more than anything, or they think of him, you know, as Rick Blaine in Casablanca. They don't realize that, you know, I mean, you look at him in Sabrina, you look at him, he, he was capable of, uh, he was a great actor and could do so much. And I mean, this was a remarkable performance he gives as Dobbs in um, uh, Treasure Sierra Madre. So, uh, you know, just one of our great actors. And, you know, someone like Marilyn Monroe is an icon, but I wouldn't argue she was a great actress or a very facile actress. She was great at what she did. Like, she's really great in certain movies, like some like it hot and stuff. But Bogart could do a lot really well. Yeah. Um, so great. Well, that's uh, Tuesday. And that brings us, of course, to Ash Wednesday, where Ashley Miller proceeds to blow our minds uh, with his pick. So uh, uh, tell us uh, what we're going to be watching on Wednesday, Ashley. Before I jump into that, I do want to compliment Darren on his pick. Because at first, when you said it, I thought I was a little surprised. Because I always think of that movie as this, as this character piece. And then I went, oh, yeah. You know, and the thing that's great about that pick is that that movie works, like, even if it's, it, it can work as a stage play, uh, just because it is so well written, just because it is so well acted, um, and it's, it kind of gets to what we were talking about at the beginning. You need to have those characters, like, at the heart of it, um, that, that you can relate to. Like, that's the, that's the core of a great film. So, awesome. Um, I, I love it. And I was gonna, I forgot to say, like, if I was, if we were taking bets on what Darren was gonna pick, I would have lost, because I was sure you were gonna pick a different film that uh, I'm mm -hmm. sure we'll discuss for Friday. Perhaps yeah. we'll discuss that for Friday, yes, because I, I had several in mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that brings us to Wednesday and Ashley Miller. <laughs> um, so my pick is, uh, it's, it's, it's funny because- First tell us about the box and then tell us how you're going to be outside of it or inside of it actually going to be dead center in like the heart of that effing box man because this is one of my favorite genres and 
you know, there is another aspect, I think, to an adventure movie for me, right, that I think is very important. Even we're talking about an adventure film um, that has adult themes, um, you know, or, uh, you know, is, or has very serious elements. I think for me, I always resonate to those adventure films that appeal to the child in me, that unlock something um, in my imagination or unlock something for me as a child, um, just in terms of um, what I found appealing and, and fascinating. And uh, my pick is a, uh, a little movie uh, produced by American International Pictures, uh, released in uh, 1975. Um, starring like a guy that you really only know if you've watched a lot of American International Pictures, which I have, uh, Doug McClure, who I think basically was the star of all of them and essentially played the same dude even when like he had a completely different name. Um, a movie uh, that was written by Michael Moorcock, British novelist who wrote uh, Elric of Melnebonet. Uh, and I am talking about The Land That Time Forgot. Oh my goodness. <laughs> This could have been the end. The end of just another tragic episode in war at sea. But for the few survivors of a torpedoed merchant ship and the crew of a German U-boat lost in the frozen South Atlantic, it was the beginning of an incredible adventure. For this was the day the 20th century met the primeval world face to face. American International presents The Land That Time Forgot. An astounding motion picture based on the book by Edgar Rice Burroughs, creator of Tarzan and the most thrilling science fiction stories ever written. Travel through an underwater passage and discover an awesome prehistoric world. There's a secret to this island, something that we haven't been able to fathom yet, and whether we stay or get away may depend on it. Danger and adventure on an epic scale. How much longer do we give them? We're not leaving without them! Forget Skipper! You will never forget Edgar Rice Burroughs' The Land That Time Forgot. It's like, look, um, it was clearly made for like a dollar, right? Like, you can kind of sit back and you can pull apart the effects like all you want. And that's cool. But in 1975, 1976, I, I don't see any of that, right? What I see is this really great Edgar Rice Burroughs story, you know, about, you know, these, these people who are thrown together, Germans, British, Americans in the middle of a war, like going to this, like this crazy place, like under the water, in you know, in the in Antarctica, you know, just finding this this lost continent um, and learning how to survive, and how all of that that stuff, those 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 political issues and the war, sort of plays into all of it, um, how they relate to one another, and just like how crazy that world seemed to me. Um, in fact, I love that movie so much, and I love that book so much that about, I guess it was 1916, 2016. Sorry, guys, my land that time forgot. The movie was 1916. Um, 
in 2016, um, the the creator, executive producer of Black Sails, John Steinberg, and I um, went out with a pitch uh, for The Land of Time for God as a uh, as a television series that would have been just epic, crazy, amazing, also prohibitively effing expensive. Um, but was so glad that I had the opportunity to, to kind of to live in that world. But like, if if you love Edgar Rice Burroughs, if you love kind of big, crazy adventure stories, um, then then that's you know that's what the Land of Time Forgot gives you. The, the script by Michael, by Michael Moorcock is actually quite excellent. Um, there are follow up films, the people that land, uh, the people that time forgot, uh, and Warlords of the Deep, which is technically a sequel, but only in the book series. Um, Kevin Connor, who directed it, also directed at the Earth's Core, which is another uh, Burroughs adaptation, also starring uh, Doug McClure, because again, he was in everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's my pick. You know, welcome to my childhood. Not to be Dude. confused with Troy McClure. No. I'm tr Ashley, I got to tell you, The Land That Time Forgot was my favorite movie until Star Wars came out. I love that movie so much. I saw it in the theater at, at least twice, which in the 70s is kind of a big deal to get your parents to take you. Um, I adored that movie. I, had a, I have a one sheet for it. I had a one sheet for it hanging in my house for years. And uh, I, I too tried to pitch that movie as a TV series to the Sci-Fi Channel uh, back before they started making movies that were just crap when they were actually trying to make, you know, actual movies. So what you're saying, it's the movie that producers forgot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, Ashley's, Ashley's right, man. I mean, this is a great movie. You've got uh, uh, the survivor, uh, uh, a U-boat sinks a ship and takes on the survivors and they end up diving under the ice and emerge in a lost world full of, you know, dinosaurs and, you know, dinosaurs are chasing them around and eating them and they have to figure out how to repair their submarine and refine some oil so they can get fuel to get off the island. I mean, it, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, you know, these were the kinds of staples of the real 430 movie back in the day. Right. You know, you would have Adventure Week and it would be Journey to the Center of the Earth and Mysterious Island, all viable picks for this week and should be considered for Friday. And movies like When Time Ran Out, you know, uh, I mean, when uh, The Day the Earth Ended. When Time Ran Out is another movie that uh, originally... This is, uh, I, which I got confused with, obviously. And it was, it was a wonderful story Barbara Carrera told me about that. When Time Ran Out was uh, originally called uh, The Day the Earth Ended. And it was Paul Newman and William Holden and Ernst Borgnine, all these great stars. Wow. And they would hang out and Paul Newman would cook for them because they were filming out in some island in the South Pacific. Every night they'd hang out in a bungalow and he'd cook for them. And they, and they were trying to come up with another name for the, uh, for the movie because it was such a terrible movie and it's such a terrible name. And they were all having... They're having a great time because it was beautiful, but they knew the movie was a stinker. And William Holden uh, puts down a glass of whatever he was drinking. He says, yeah, how about we called it uh, when, our the, when Our Careers Ended? Because uh, <laughs> the movie was so bad. Um, but um, there's, there's so many movies like this. And, of course, AIP was like Corman, you know, would, would jump on a cycle and do it cheaper, but often sometimes better than the big guys. Yep. And I believe there is actually a pretty decent Blu-ray of this movie uh, out that I, I picked up a few years ago. I, it, I think it also has the people that time forgot on it, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Either that or people that time forgot has Warlords of the Deep on it. Yeah. Oh, wait, 
No, it is land that time forgot people that time forgot. I literally have it sitting. It's like, I have like a few of my Blu-rays that are just sitting above like the television in my bedroom, like my go-tos and like that's, that's up there. Have you shown it to Caden yet? I haven't shown it to Caden yet, but it's like, come on, it's got dinosaurs. It's got submarines. It's got, you know, what else do you want out of life? What more could anyone ask? <laughs> oh, it's a, the, the DVD has both of those movies on it, but the Blu-ray just has land. Okay. And of course, I have both of them, naturally. Of course. Of course. <laughs> you probably have a laser disc, too. <laughs> um, no, that's, look, that's great. And that, I mean, that to me is at the very heart of this week is that kind of a film, um, which, is, which is great. So uh, that brings us to Thursday um, and my pick. And, and I'll have to say, I was deeply concerned when Steve started tumbling because uh, I felt that he was going to pick my film because we're often on the same wavelength. And fortunately, uh, my, my film does share one thing with King Kong. Uh, it was also an RKO movie, and it also used the same gong as they use in King Kong, which was a library sound. It wasn't quite the Wilhelm scream, but it was a, a, a sound effect that they often use. And of course, talking about the 1939 classic Gunga Dean, with uh, uh, Victor McLaughlin and Douglas Fairbanks Jr. and the great Cary Grant. Tugs were the most fiendish band of killers that ever existed. There were at least 10,000 of them in India, and they murdered 30,000 people a year. Rise and kill. Kill lest you be killed yourselves. Kill for the love of killing. Kill for the love of Kali. The trouble is you don't want a man for a husband. You want a coward who'll run out on his friend when they're in danger. Well, that's not me and never was and never will be. I don't care how much I love you. My dad told me they were tugs. I could mind a spit in two and stuff you up an elephant's trunk. Uh, they're uh, in the British Army in India, and uh, uh, one of them, Ballantyne, uh, played by uh, Doug Fairbanks, is uh, going to basically, he's at the end of his, uh, uh, and about to go get married to Joan Fontaine, um, when they are forced to sort of confront uh, the, the evil thuggy cult. Remember the thuggy cult who worshipped the goddess Kali? Of course I've you do. You've heard stories of the thuggy cult. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get to that. And uh, it is, you know, probably the definitive original adventure film. Uh, it's fun. It's beautifully directed by George Stevens. I mean, it, it's epic. It's funny. When I was watching it again, you know, you, people talk about how much they love the end of Endgame where you see all the heroes and fighting in this valley, you know, and to me, it's just this big melange of special effects. I mean, I like the movie, but it's just, you know, it's a big green screen with a bunch of people dropped in. In Gunga Din, they're out in Lone Pine, doubling for India, admittedly. But I mean, there literally are thousands of people fighting on elephants and on horses and with lances. And it's the real deal. And it's pretty damn extraordinary. And this is a movie from 1939. And um, if you look at it, it's just very well directed. It's very funny. Uh, now, uh, Millennial Alert, it obviously um, it may, you may, some people may find it objectionable. Sam Jaffe, who is a Jew from Brooklyn, played the Indian, the titular Indian character of uh, Gunga Dean in probably what I assume is some skin darkening makeup. 
Um, and uh, obviously it deals with British colonialism in, in India where the sun never set on the British empire and uh, the, you know, the way they treat the, uh, the native Indians is, you know, it's, it's, it's 1939 and it's what you would expect, but uh, it is super, super entertaining. It's action packed. It's fun. It's bantery. Uh, the performances by the three leads are all fantastic. Uh, there's some great supporting performances and the villains are terrific. The, uh, what just happened? So uh, the um, just, just some wonderful villains who play because I, you know, even in Temple of Doom, I have to say, you know, the, the villainous performances are wonderful, but the uh, it's even, even more so in, um, in, in Gunga Dean to which Temple of Doom owes a huge debt. Of Clearly course. you can see the influence of Gunga Dean in Temple of Doom, both dealing with the thuggy cult and its adventure in India. And obviously in the way that the um, Indiana Jones is, is greatly inspired by uh, uh, Gunga Dean. And, and I would suggest, you know, one of the, certainly one of the things that would be a consideration for um, Friday would be uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I would almost say that since we've done Raiders on Spielberg week, uh, probably even a better pick uh, would be Temple of Doom, which is even more influenced by those classic adventure movies of the 30s and 40s uh, than than Raiders, which was sort of influenced by the cliffhanger movies. And to a certain extent, James Bond, because Spielberg wanted to make a James Bond movie and Lucas says, I got something better for you. Well, I'm going to admit that this is one of those that I know that I should have seen. But I haven't seen it yet. But your review of it makes me want to watch it. One of these days, we need to do shit we haven't seen week. We just need to do it and just come back and like and just do those reports. You but, know, we kind of did that with um, with uh, the Secret Santa. Secret Santa. So maybe right. we actually do movies that we've done on the show that we haven't watched. Like I could watch Lucas, and you could watch Gunga Dean, and Steve can watch. I don't know what Steve hasn't seen. He's seen a lot of movies, I, but we... I, I haven't seen Gunga Din either. Um, oh, although wow. I, I tried to watch it because of I, I'd read about its influence on Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom in particular. So, in the wake of Temple of Doom, I rented Gunga Din on VHS tape when I was in high school, and uh, I couldn't get through it. I think I turned it off after about twenty or thirty minutes, and uh, I never went back to it. And wow. I, you know. I was in a much different place then and I, I know I would get a lot more out of it now. And it, so it remains one of those blind spots for me that I do really want to see because I acknowledge it's, you know, it's place in film history. And, and after hearing you talk about it, it makes me really excited to, to want to go actually see it. Well, I, it's funny that you say that Steve, because the first time I saw Gunga Dean was in high school. I had a English class that was a film Thing, and they would show us movies in 16 millimeter. It's the first time I saw Bonnie and Clyde. It's the first time I saw Citizen Kane. And they would show us in two parts because, you know, class was only a little, an hour. And we saw Gunga Dean was one of the films that we saw. And I don't think I've ever seen it since. And knowing we were doing this week, you know, I, I of course, owned the, the Blu-ray, but haven't watched, hadn't watched it, but rewatched it in anticipation of the show and couldn't believe how much I loved it, how great it, it held up because I hadn't really watched it in a long time. And so I, I definitely think if you, for anybody out there who hasn't seen it, you know, as long as you're not going to find it, and you can find it objectionable, but I'm just saying as long as you can watch it with that in mind, um, 
Yeah. You're going to love it. It is the movie. of its time. It yeah. is very much of its you got, time. You got to watch the films in context. That gives that's like maybe a similar idea to the uh, the the topic you propose, shrink wrap week, where we watch <laughs> a, a, a movie in our library that uh, we haven't seen, but it's still in its we own it, but it's still in its shrink wrap. That's a great idea. Well, they, we the quarantine would have to last many many more months for me to get through all the movies that I still have in there shrink wrapping. <laughs> well, let's hope that you don't get through your movies. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hope. Um, but, uh, but, um, that's a great, that would be, that would be fun to do, but yeah, I, I love Gunga Dean and I do feel like, you know, if, if, if you were pairing like uh, wine with fish or whatever, then I, that in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom would be the, the ultimate double feature. Um, and we're all big double, uh, Temple of Doom fans here on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we've all said this, the conventional wisdom is that Last Crusade is the, the, the best of the sequels to Raiders whereas I think we all agree um, unless Ashley doesn't that the Temple of Doom is far superior to Last Crusade. 100% I fully endorse um, a Temple of Doom nomination for Friday. I mean I think there are a number of movies that we could talk about for for Friday certainly um, but I, I love Temple of Doom. I have not allowed um, my son to to watch Temple of Doom on television yet because I keep holding out hope that I'm going to be able to show him that on the big screen because that was how he experienced Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, If adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Jones. <laughs> From Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Jones and the Temple of Doom. You don't believe me. You will, Dr. Jones. <laughs> now, I love any other Jones. We gave up. Because we saw Raiders, the, I took, took, we took, we saw them, took the kids to see it theatrically. But then they were so loved Raiders so much that uh, I couldn't wait. And and, and Indiana Jones Temple Doom, unfortunately, sort of like Star Trek Five. They show all the other ones, but they never tend to show that theatrically. And uh, so I think you may be waiting a long time to see Temple of Doom. And it's a shame because it really is. Um, I mean, that that opening ten minutes is really. Yes. F- fantastic filmmaking, you know, through Laoshe Air Freight. And then, you know, the rest of the movie is, has its real, you know, ups and downs in that. I mean, talk about the highlight of miniature work that that minecart chase is uh, extraordinary. But at least it does have real Indian actors. It, it does. That's right. And, and they're great and they're terrific. Yeah. Um, you know, I always said the thing about that movie that always, that I always didn't like was I never liked the fact that they were able to, um, take over Indiana Jones, possess Indiana Jones. Like I felt like that was too far for me. I, I guess I, I bought the Nazis being destroyed by the Lost Ark, but I always felt like this was one step too far was Indiana Jones sort of being, and I guess I just didn't like him not being in Indiana, well, Indiana was, Jones. You know, yeah, He was a really cocky character at that point that didn't believe in, you know, magic, a lot of superstitious hocus pocus. And, and he, you know, he fell under the spell of the magic of the dark magic of the Kali. Right, right. 
You know, that movie, I mean, that's a movie and, that has a 40, like a 40 minute sustained action sequence. I mean, it's almost nonstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible. It's disappointing to hear Spielberg sort of disown it now, you know, uh, in the way that he sort of disowns the Richard Dreyfuss character in Close Encounters, because of course right. he's a different person. But, you know, I, I really wish they would stand by Temple of Doom because you know, you compare that to something like Crystal Skull and, you know, one's a movie and one... Is it a disaster? Well, it's because yeah. he's still under the black sleep of Capshaw. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they, if, only because they met on that movie, you think he would appreciate it more. One would think, but uh, who knows? He's a, he's a, a very interesting fella. And he has uh, strange, uh, strange thoughts these days. And sometimes artists are not the best judges of their own work. In right. fact, all true. the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why you have the 430 movie. That's right. So uh, we can judge. So let's talk about, let's talk about Friday. I'm um, so many movies to talk about. Um, you know, obviously uh, Robert Zemeckis is romancing the stone. Is it sure. sort of contemporary? I, I, I say contemporary, but what is it? 30 right. years old? <laughs> 30, older than that. Yeah. Five, uh, 30, yeah. By the way, when she's just sitting and she's typing, just crying. Um, yeah, I, I just, that to me is just a uh, moment in film. Um, by the way, that was me writing the, desperately writing the third act of X-Men, just literally just and weeping. You looked like you were typing. It didn't even look like you were working on a computer. You were like, you got a typewriter at home, huh? He was throwing the, the paper. <laughs> and then Zach has to enter it into the computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, gotcha. Um, we talked about obviously movies like Journey to the Center of the Earth, Mysterious Island, which I wouldn't pick only because to me, Herbert Lom as Captain Nemo doesn't hold a candle to James Mason. No. Although there's a lot about Mysterious Island I really enjoy. Yes. But of course, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is a good adventure movie. Absolutely. But uh, it was featured on Under the it. Sea. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and another one that I already picked that I'm still going to mention is my favorite movie of all time, 1938's Adventures of Robin Hood. Oh, absolutely. Um, that also has Montague Love in it, who was in Gunga Din, mm-hmm. um, as the Bishop of the Black Cannons. Um, but, it, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful... <laughs> actually, you're talking, you're no, moving your mouth. No, that was, I'm just fucking with you now. Um, so I... I have I have great affection for Robin Hood. I do have one issue with Robin Hood. It just yeah. like never ceases to amaze me. So Robin and the Merry Men and Marion, they have a big feast out in the forest, right? And then he has this little scene with Marion and he's like, you know, see like why I do what I do. And he takes her and shows her the poor. Yeah. I'm like, you're having a feast that way. Just, just invite them, invite them to the feast. He did, they're all eating food from the feast that he's pointing at the poor people who are not eating. Maybe I just miss They are eating. <laughs> they, they walk up to him and they say, bless you, Robin. <laughs> he's, he's fed them. He's taken care of them this whole time. Watch the movie next time, Mr. Miller. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. I, I, I would also say, and I thought that was going to be your pick, by the way. Uh, I did too. But I would, uh, I would say, you know, any of those um, from Jason the Argonauts uh, through the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, sure. uh, those are great adventure movies. I mean, I think Kerwin Matthews was a terrific uh, Sinbad, unlike Patrick Wayne in Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, Aww. which is not a good Sinbad, not a good movie, 1977, overshadowed by a little movie called Star Wars. Um, yeah, but I remember it on the marquee. I remember Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. 
on the uh, marquees from 77. And yeah, I think my favorite is The Golden Voyage. Golden Voyage of Sinbad's great. It's yeah. great. You can't go wrong with any of those movies, can you? You can, but yeah, they're can, pretty good. You know. Which one was Tom Baker in? Was he in Golden, was Golden Voyage? Voyage. Yeah, yeah, Golden Voyage. He was. He did that, that before Doctor Who. Yep. Yep. But K Nine was not in it. I saw no. that in the movie theater. I did too. I did not. It was it was creepy and great. It's a creepy movie. I mean, that's the thing. Those movies had a lot of mood to them. And again, pre-CG, uh, you know, the, the Harryhausen dynamation is pretty remarkable in most yeah. cases. You know, I'm less of a fan of Clash of the Titans, but that could also be... But it's, um, still, it's still a good movie. I mean, it's, it's, it does what it's supposed to do. Rip off it, Star Wars? No. Oh. <laughs> that's what it felt like. Uh, let's I mean, do Star rip, Wars from Greek mythology. Off. Ripping off Star Wars by dramatizing the ancient myths that Star Wars ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they gave the owl, you know, which was like yeah, the, well, the me- metal owl. And, you Look, know, that... you love Battlestar Galactica, so let's not go there. You love Starship invasions and messing from space, so let's not go. <laughs> oh, no, okay, maybe you don't. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the Disney movie. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, I think, did, did we pick that for Disney Week? I think that, uh, was, I think that was one of them, yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. like, um, I'm going to throw out another amazing um, uh, Errol Flynn movie, Captain Blood. Oh, yeah. From 1936, two years before Robin Hood. Um, it's great. It's absolutely great. It has all the elements that were later refined in Robin Hood, but it's a great swashbuckling, you know, uh, from the get-go. And it's uh, high seas adventure and... It's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And in tribute to uh, Ashley and AIP, what about Vincent Price and Master of the World? You know, oh which goodness. Vincent Price uh, menaces the world in a giant dirigible, which it, it, uh, in part inspired uh, Gene Roddenberry. Um, uh, you know, uh, because he for a while Star Trek was originally going to take place on in Earth in, in a dirigible. The Enterprise was basically a dirigible with a captain, a first officer, and a doctor. Not to mention the island at the top of the world. Oh yeah, <laughs> with David Hartman. Oh, yes, and it's probably on Disney Plus. I don't know if it is or not. I haven't. I haven't looked for it. Imagine that. I I do not seek it out. I want to apologize to all our listeners who have been watching The Black Hole on um, Disney Plus a lot. We've been getting a lot of uh, Twitter action about people watching The Black Hole because they heard us talking about it so much. So I just want to apologize to all of you for giving you the false hope that in some way this was a great, unappreciated masterpiece. Well, all we're saying is that. It was fun. It came out in 1979 when we hadn't been quite sated by Star Trek The Motion Picture. The Cygnus is awesome, and the documents of the Palomino is effing great, and the music is good, and that's all you need to know. That's kind of what we were saying, yep. And there's robots, or at least people in robot suits. During the overture. It's just an overture. That's true. That's true. And then, you know, we didn't talk at all about, like, King Solomon's Mines. Um, God. City of Gold with Richard Chamberlain and Sharon Stone. Well, let me tell you, I wish I could remember because Sharon Stone told me some great stories about those movies. And I don't remember. But that's where she became friends with James Earl Jones. Because James Earl Jones was in those movies. And and, and she's actually really good friends with James Earl Jones. And she said that was pretty much the only good thing that came out of those movies. (laughs) And they they shot them back to back. 
they have great scores by Jerry Goldsmith. Yes. Absolutely great. Um, would you say, I mean, Danger Diabolic, uh, which I think we talked about during Spy Week in a mm. way, um, but it's more of a superhero yeah. kind of, yeah, probably not. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a spy, it's a spy well, movie. And then Lord of the Rings would be fantasy, right? As yeah. opposed to adventure, I think. Fantasy adventure, right. yeah, it's kind of a hybrid. It's definitely adventure, but it's it's not a pure adventure. It's a fantasy. Something, something like uh, Rima Williams, The Adventure Begins. It has adventure in the title. Um, I was going to say, there's a lot. You know, there's, uh, the problem is uh, the adventure never began. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai or the uh-huh. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. or um, You're just picking movies with adventure in the title. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Like a search under adventure? Google adventure. <laughs> um, Something like uh, Tarzan, Greystoke. Mm-hmm, Tarzan. Right. Well, all those Tarzan movies, I mean, that was a right. huge franchise. I mean, yeah. that was, uh, you know, Johnny Weissmuller. I mean, those, Ron Eli later on, those were, you know, that was, that was, again, the James Bond Skywalker saga of its day, right. you know, long before any of us were born. And I don't think any of us became huge Tarzan fans later in life, but those were right. huge movies. Um, where where do we fall on? Lines, uh, John Carter of Mars. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ashley's holding up a oh, Tarzan comic, yes. Oh, look at that. Tarzan. I guess I shouldn't speak for all of us then. Yes. I was more a fan of Kazar the Savage. Um, it reminds me of one of my not coming soon's Tarzanadu. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, you know what else I watched? I watched Thank God It's Friday this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> Long story. So um, what about Goonies? I love the Goonies. Love the Goonies. I think that definitely a great Goonie adventure definitely like meets all the criteria. Uh, if if any movie is overrated in my book, Goonies is that movie. Darren. Mm. Yes, you know, that's Darren. correct, Ashley. <laughs> I would probably agree with you, only I haven't watched it since it opened. You know, like I saw it when it opened and I felt that way and I haven't watched it since. And given how many people I respect love that movie, I really need to watch it again. You will lose respect for them. It's not a good yes. movie. It's, no. it's, I was, Darren and I were probably a little old for it when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, the, all my friends who are like three to five years younger than me love it because mm-hmm. they were right in the sweet spot when that movie came out. And for me, it was just goofy and dumb. And it, it has its moments that I still really like, um, but it's pretty goofy. Yeah, you may have to be the, the right age for it. Like I've been like exactly like you said, like in the sweet spot. Um, but you know, for me, that movie pushed, it, it just, it just, it checked off all the boxes. But I am looking forward to seeing Sarah Watson's TV show about the making of the Goonies fan film. Yes. So I'm very happy for her. That's cool. Unfortunately, they shut down because of coronavirus, but hopefully they'll get picked up because uh, she's awesome. And, uh, you know, crazy development story for you. Uh, a, a couple of years ago. Oh, we've lost Ashley. We've oh lost my God. He's breaking up. Mic. He's, he's breaking up. He's breaking up. You've turned off your, your mic. Oh, no, he's frozen. He's frozen. turned off his targeting computer. Sorry. Oh, there you are. Okay. Oh, his voice is back. You're, you're... Oh, Zoom needs to restart. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. I can hear you, I can hear you but I can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back. Who's taking Genesis? There you go. That's a Star Trek II quote. Oh, okay, now he's we gone. lost Ashley. Good. And, now we and, can have a decent conversation. And, and Wednesday <laughs> is gone, just like that. <laughs> and 
anything can happen day. Um, <laughs> I think that means I need to re-invite him. Is that right? I'll, I'll do that. Fascinating. <laughs> well, this has been a great episode of the 430 movie. Um, and so I have many that, you know, I mean, you could talk about something like the African queen. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Another John Huston. Another great Humphrey Bogart movie. Oh. Ashley's back. Well, welcome back. So we picked Friday without you. Not so wounded as we were led to believe. <laughs> Look around. And and we, we picked the 1976 King Kong because of Charles Grodin's tour de force uh, performance as the uh, head of Petrox Corporation. <laughs> 1976 King Kong, just for Jessica, because <laughs> that was um that was eye opening for me. Who would have ever thought that she would become an Academy Award nominated actress, uh, right. uh, based on the performance in King Kong? I mean, and then a couple of years later, she did uh, you know Francis, the Francis Farmer story, right. and she was amazing in that. But I mean, my God, in King Kong, she, no one, no well, no one, no can. one's good in that movie. It's no one's good, good in that movie. That's Maybe right. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Yeah, there's a yeah. Because Jeff Bridges is always good, but you know we should do a Bridges Too Far week where we talk about the career of Jeff. Bridges. Oh my goodness, that's absolutely funny. he's the best. Yeah. Um, what about something like Fitzcarraldo? Yeah, I think that would qualify. I mean, any movie in which a a boat is carried over a mountain <laughs> that qualifies as adventure as a new name week, doesn't it? It's a real crowd pleaser, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I guess we got to settle on a pick for Friday. I, my pick is uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. But uh, you guys, why don't we all weigh in? I'm, I'm fine with that uh, selection because it sort of takes all the elements from the movies that we discussed mm -hmm. and brings them together. What, what do you think, guys? Oh, no, Ashley, we've lost your audio again. Oh, I no. We need Gene Hackman here. Ashley just keeps Ashley just no, keeps no, moving no, his mouth without me. talking and yeah. confusing us. Okay, cool. See, uh, no, I fully endorse yes. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I, uh, I, I could not possibly endorse it more strongly. Okay. Well, then, uh, on this Chris Winter Memorial Week, which again is, uh, you know, it's just so sad. I mean, he was a young guy and. Um, just really, uh, I was, when I got the call from Dean was just really shocked and, you know, they were very good friends and it's just, it's, it's really sad. And, and just a huge fan of the show who, who really helped us out when we needed it because um, so many episodes were in post-production and getting ready for the launch of the electric now app. And, and he really pitched in and uh, was uh, just it really, you know, just sad news, but I guess there's so much sad news these days. So many people that we've lost, um, actors, actresses, people's families. Um, uh, just it's, 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 it's really a, t a time to take stock, I think, of uh, what's important in life. Conan. The Crunch Enemies. <laughs> That's one that we completely forgot. You. <laughs> oh, we did, but we did it on Sword and Sorcery Week. Yeah, I suppose. To crush your enemies, to see them bow down before you and hear the lamentation of the women. Um, okay. I, yeah, I mean, but Conan... Uh, I don't know, Ashley. Uh, you're the guy who wrote Red Sonia, so I, I, look, uh, what do I you love think? Conan, and I think that it's, it's certainly to? an adventure movie. But I do think we correctly identified it during Sword and Sorcery Week. I, I think. I think uh, at this point, even Arnold Schwarzenegger would mm -hmm. choose uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. How about you? Fantastic. So Monday, 
Steve. Monday is the eighth wonder of the world, King Kong. Darren, Tuesday. Tuesday is the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Wednesday. Next on the 430 movie, The Land That Time Forgot. Thursday, it's Gunga Dean. And on Friday, Indiana Jones <laughs> and the Temple of Doom. Trust you were doing me. the teaser trailer. I was. <laughs> filming around the world. Or on location, <laughs> filming. Oh. The greatest adventure of all time. Well, this was a, a special bonus episode. I mean, uh, for everybody who was disappointed that we went on hiatus last week, well, we're back. You're disappointed now? Uh, and, and, and the plan, you know, I don't know when we're going to be able to record new episodes, obviously, given uh, the quarantine uh, um but uh, obviously we want to get back in the studio and bring you all new episodes. And, you know, maybe we will do a, a, another bonus episode where we talk about movies to watch while self-isolating. Um, I know Steve uh, gave us uh, his picks, which we put up on the Twitter feed and Electric Surge uh, on Facebook. So, um, you know, well, you know um, it's, 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 it's sad to not be in the studio, um, uh, but uh, on the and have that technical quality that we get from being in the studio. But on the other hand, uh, show of hands, how many people are Winnie the Poohing it right now? I eating know. honey, eating honey, no or pants. putting on weight? No pants. No pants. Oh, <laughs> ah, sit down. <laughs> there's there's pants over here, Steve. <laughs> no pants no pants um and you know i would say while we were watching movies it's also a great time to read books i just read the new woody allen memoir um apropos of nothing which i found immensely enjoyable particularly the uh first half of the book where he talks about his career as a stand-up comic and working in television in the 50s and 60s which you mean was... the the earlier funnier parts well, no, it's just, I think, I think the, you know, later in the book, it's almost as though he wrote the first half of the book and, and really took his time and then probably went off and shot a movie and then came back and had a deadline and then just breezed through the end because the ending is not as funny and it sort of glosses over a lot of the later movies, which warrant a little more of a deep dive. Um, you know, but it's, I, nonetheless, I thought it was a wonderful book. And for anybody who's a fan, I, I highly recommend it. I'm reading One time uh, I shot a moose. Well, he talks about that. I love <laughs> That's that. all I know about that. Uh, his stand-up was amazing. And he talks about his stand-up career. And there's some great stuff about, um, you know, Mel Brooks and, and uh, um, you know, a lot of uh, early television legends, you know, working with Sid Caesar and uh, obviously Neil Simon and Neil's brother and, um, really great stories, an, er an error that we shall not see again that's captured with both uh, uh, press, you know, really interesting observations and great wit. I mean, the, the book is laugh out loud funny. It's, it's, it's I, again, I highly recommend it. Um, and um, I'm now reading uh, that book from a couple years ago about the murder of William Desmond Taylor, Hollywood, Hollywood something or other, but um, that's really good too. So it's amazing how much you can read and watch when you're not getting out of bed except to record podcasts. <laughs> so, um, Apropos of nothing is next on my list. I'm finishing uh, Craig Miller's Star Wars Memories right now, mm. which is a really interesting uh, uh, insider's look at what life was like uh, at Lucasfilm uh, between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. And Craig has some great stories. I felt it was very candid. I really liked that book um, because it just a lot of, it's a different perspective on Star Wars that you haven't really heard before because of course he was in marketing and, and helped launch the fan club. And so he just has great stories from the inside as a, a professional fan. And um, I really thought he did a nice job on the book. And 
you can order it from him or on Amazon, I think. But uh, if you have a chance and you're a Star Wars fan, you should definitely pick it up. And, uh, right. uh, yeah. So anyway, um, I want to thank everybody for joining us for the 430 movie. You can listen to our sister podcast. You know, the the whole ending, you know, <laughs> glorious experts on the Star Wars and the Doctor Who thing with two on who and um, look for us on the apps. Yeah. Electric uh, Now app and stir and uh, distro. And, yeah. Distro. And Zoom, Zumo and uh, the Electric Now app will be coming to the app store soon. And, um, and yeah, so anyway, we want to, again, thank uh, Chris Winter for everything he did and our profound condolences to his family. And of course, to uh, Dean Devlin, uh, who was a, a good friend of Chris's who brought him into our orbit. And uh, we want to say to everyone in the audience, of course, thank you for listening and stay, uh, stay safe, stay inside and uh, listen to the experts. And hopefully we'll all be able to emerge from our cocoon soon. Um, and uh, when you do 430 movie won't be far behind with all new episodes this summer so until then eyewitness news starts now hey this is Mark A. Altman and this is Darren Docterman and the 430 movie will not be on the next few weeks what? No, it's it's not. We, we, it's, it's not going to be on. It's not going to be on. No, we're not going to season three. We're just taking a, a couple of weeks off. Well, we got a lot of movies to watch. We got a lot of movies to catch up on, and frankly, we got to get some work done here. So, um, but we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with all new episodes. So, why don't you catch up on any episodes you missed? And uh, before you know it, we'll be back. If you need to find out about our broadcast schedule, check Electric Surge on Facebook or at Four Thirty Movie Podcast on Twitter. This episode brought to you by Juice of Safu. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of Safu that the mind acquires speed. The lips acquire stains. The stains become a warning. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. Set your mind in motion with Juice of Safu. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.